In this episode, we discuss seven ways that you are not listening and what you can do about it. My name is Justin Sinceri. And I am Mercedes Corona. We are licensed marriage and family therapists and your fellow trauma nerds, helping you understand and apply the science of connection to daily life. Welcome to episode 30 of the Polyvagal Podcast. For the Polyvagal superfans out there, we've got announcements and homework assignments for you after the episode main topic. And we've got an audio clip from one of your fellow superfans. But before we really get into things, we want to make sure that you put yourself first. We keep every episode as safe as we can, but just by the nature of the topics, you may experience some stuff come up. Take a break if you need to. We'll be right here. The topic is listening, and let's talk real quick about how this connects to the polyvagal theory. We've mentioned in the past, maybe a couple times about eye crinkles. Just a few times. Maybe a couple times. Yeah. And, and, you know, gentle eye contact, uh, head tilts, tilting your head off to the side. Uh, we, you know, that's come up a couple times as polyvagal cues of safety, right? These cues of safety signal that we are safe mammalian nervous systems. This then, of course, brings us to listening. Listening can only be done when we are in our safe and social system. But we thought we'd go into more detail in this episode on how to listen. This applies to parents, coworkers, therapists, spouses. I think darn near anyone, right? Anyone and everyone, Justin. Some of these may surprise you, but let's let's uh, revisit real quick a couple of concepts. Yes, so we're just going to go over again misattunement and ruptures. So a misattunement is when two nervous systems, a.k.a. people, are not attuned or, another way of saying it, is they are not matching up in their states. So, for example, one person might be in their safe and social state and, and the other person might be in their mobilization state. Maybe they're in a fight state. Maybe one person is in shutdown and the other person is in flight. The Whatever it is, it, the states don't match. So that's what misattunement is. That's going to come up a little bit in the rest of the episode. And then the other reminder is about ruptures. A rupture is when you have made a connection with another nervous system, another person, and then there is a break. Something happens to disconnect the two of you. That is a rupture. So here are seven ways of when you are not listening. The first way is, number one, when you say that you understand. All you have to do is just understand and listen and then speak from empathy. You know, kind of like once it's your turn to to speak, I think people who are effectively listening know when it's time to say something. And I don't, usually it's not, I understand. You know what I mean? Like if you understand, the other person will pick that up, I think. You don't exactly have to say, I understand. And I think that saying, I I understand, how many people hear that and say like, no, you don't, or you haven't lived my life, or you didn't go through something as bad as I did, or so many variables that come into play, right? So saying, just saying, I understand, kind of communicates that you're not really listening, I think. And I think it's important to understand the person's experience that you're listening to, not just the words or not just the story or to, to be like, oh, I went through something similar. I get it. I understand. But to really understand that person's experience um, and really like one person's experience of something might be a lot, probably is a lot different than your own experience of that same thing. If you understand, you'll be able to maybe put words to the experience that the person isn't able to name themselves. Like you'll be able to say, like, it sounds like it was really frustrating. And the person will say, yes, it was. And they will know from that that you understand just by you being able to 
not interrupt and fill in the blanks, but just to be like, well, that's the, like this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing you say that you were really upset that when that thing happened, when that girl wore the same sweater as you that on the first day of school, oh, that sounds like it was so frustrating and disappointing. That gives them the indication of like, you really listened and you understand where I'm coming from. Using those empathetic listening skills. So using empathy as a way of indicating understanding. Just tapping into like what they're feeling or what, the, or, you know, what, what they may have felt. Yeah. The second way that you can tell that you are not listening is when you say you have an answer to my problem before I finish telling you my problem. Or even after you finish saying the problem and then you say that you have an answer to it. If you already have an answer to my problem, then you weren't listening to me. You were thinking about a solution instead of listening. I think it's really true. And I think that there's so many variables that come into people's problems, you know, wherever they are, to say you have an answer for it. Like you haven't heard the person out fully. You know what I mean? You haven't yeah. explored what they're willing to do or what they've already tried to do. Like what, what problems, what problem, what solutions have you already attempted to implement? And if you're already thinking of your answers and then throwing in the answer, the solution, um, you, you obviously haven't fully heard that person. I think that answers right. can come when they're asked for. Like usually the way I, I see it is, and I'm thinking about like with my kids or with clients, that first we discuss the problem, a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion kind of stuff. And then they'll say, and I don't know what to do about it. And then that's my cue. Okay, now we're ready for some problem solving. Yeah. I think sometimes people try and jump into problem solving mode too soon. Some Sometimes, and I think we talked about this in an episode, one of our early parenting episodes, but sometimes when someone is talking and needs to be heard, sometimes when your job is to listen, that's sometimes that's it. Sometimes there doesn't need to be problem solving. Sometimes that's, no. that's the only thing that needs to happen is the listening. If there is, if the other person does require some sort of problem solving, you know, situation, they will ask for it. Now, what do I do? Or what do you think I should do? Or can you help me figure this out? You know, there's going to be a prompt in there. I see this um, with family therapy a lot. This is a big, big um, dividing line between parents and their kids that the child would just sort of speak about how they feel first or share a frustration. And the parent always hears it as a problem to be addressed rather than right. just hearing out, you know, how the kid feels. And so a, a big part of helping parents and kids sort of communicate better, I found was just helping the parent realize like, well, like slow down a second. You're attempting to solve a problem. They haven't even asked you to help solve. And what I'm hearing them say as a therapist, I'm hearing them express themselves. So let's, let's try this again, you know, and I'll prompt the kid to like, to share it again and then help the parent to hear what they're saying, not solve a problem that they're imagining is there. I think that can also be generalized to um, couples as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything you said, sometimes one spouse might be just expressing themselves and saying whatever the thing and the other one might jump to problem solving and it's like, you weren't listening. I just need you to hear me. The third way that you are not listening is that you cut me off before I have finished speaking, which obviously shows that you have more interest in what you have to say. And this, I think actually a lot of these things um, come from like a sympathetic, like a mild, at least a mild, maybe a lot, sympathetic arousal, like this mild irritation or like a hurry up and get to the point kind of thing. The fourth way that you are not listening is that you finish my sentences for me. This is one of those things that you might think is conveying a message of understanding, 
but really, you're just talking over me. If you think you know what I'm going to say, you aren't listening to my words, you're listening to your own thoughts about my words. And as we mentioned before, this is really just another form of sympathetic arousal and lack of patience. The fifth way that you're not listening is that you are dying to tell me something. If this is the case, then you're caught up in your own thoughts and your own polyvagal state. What you have to say is more important, or at least that's the message that I'm going to receive. Yeah, like this person's obviously not listening to you if if they have their mind just on what um, they want to say. Yeah, so the next one, the sixth way that you are not listening is that you tell me about your experiences making mine seem unimportant. So this is another one of those techniques that people might use because it seems like you're understanding, but what it really is, it's actually more like comparing. So I don't think that people have the intention to compare, and I don't even mean in a competitive way, like, well, listen to my story. My story is way worse than your story. Not in a competitive way like that, but even like when you're trying to empathize through matching experiences, then that kind of invalidates, is that the right word? It invalidates the experience of the other person. I think so, yeah. Yeah. You can empathize without having experienced it yourself. Whatever it is that the person is telling you about, you can empathize with them. And and it's regardless of whether you have a similar experience or not, you can still empathize without having to share your own experience in that moment. That's really like the heart of therapy, right? In therapy, we don't have the same experiences as the people that we're listening to, but we can absolutely empathize with them on at least on some level, maybe not as extreme or, or whatever, but on some level we can tap into what they're feeling, right? It shifts the focus away from my needs. So if I'm pouring my heart out to you and telling you about my experience and then you're like, hey, the same exact thing happened to me. It's going to feel like now we've like now the focus is on you instead of me and it's invalidating. This can be read as a cue of danger. It's a potential rupture that has a story that follows about the self or the other person. So, for example, maybe they don't want to hear what I have to say. Maybe I'm boring. There can be a whole lot of stories that are associated to this situation. And again, these can be read as a cue of danger. This is going to function to create distance in this relationship rather than connection. We can commiserate about similar experiences as a method of connecting or relating with each other. We can do that later. When I'm back in my own safe and social state, that that would be the right time to do it. It's It reminds me of the problem solving as well, where first I have to really hear you out first, right? And then problem solve, the same thing as like, I want to share my experience, but really I want to make sure I need to hear you first and then maybe share my experience as a way to kind of connect. It's just not the right time. It's not the right time to try and connect in that way. Right now, I'm trying to support you. This was actually, I don't know if you remember, Mercedes, uh, we haven't done the bad therapy stories in a while, but I remember this coming up pretty frequently that the therapist would share their own stuff at the expense of the client. The therapist would, in those stories, would uh, like share their own experiences or kind of say like, you know, I I understand, well, like we said before, I guess, the whole I understand thing, rather than simply understanding and hearing them out, they would sort of interject their own stuff, I guess, into the therapeutic process. And I think like, and I think friendships and even relationships aren't therapy, but I think the same basic listening skills apply to, to all those situations, you know? For sure. 
And I think, again, this one, and there was one before, this technique, it, it's a little bit tricky because it's almost like when you're trying to share, like, I know what you mean. I know what you're going through. Here's my experience. It's very similar to yours. It feels like, I think the message that's trying to be conveyed is that I understand what you're going through because I've been through it too. But what ends up being conveyed instead is here's my story and I'd rather talk about my story than listen to your story. Okay, the seventh way that you are not listening is that you refuse my thanks saying you haven't really done anything. This is an interesting one. It is. To accept my gratitude is to hear me, to be connected, to feel understood. To refuse it is to negate my feelings of gratitude. So it's almost like the last hurdle in a race. And then you just muff it up on that on that last hurdle, you know? You know, thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful that you were listening. Oh, no, it's okay. I, you know, I really didn't do anything. That feels like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. total this nosedive. Is- this is like um, like a rupture, right? Or like a, maybe a misattunement, like we said earlier. A rupture being, like you said, it's it's like a rejection almost. Or like that's, the, that's the story. That's the way it feels. Like it's a loss. Like you didn't hear me. I didn't connect with you when I gave you my gratitude. And I'll just, for me personally, I had a really hard time receiving, taking in a thank you from someone. And since we started the podcast, accepting a thank you and I, I always wanted to you know say like oh no thank you for listening and I don't I, I don't know at some point it felt disingenuine I don't know if that's the right word but it was like people are thanking me for the podcast and helping them out and it's a very it's a like they took the time to, to type or to like pick up the app and like send me a personal message and explain about their life a little bit and they would say thank you and the way I responded was basically by saying, like, no, it was it didn't. It was hard for me to accept that and to, to take like praise, basically, I think. Mm-hmm. It feels like praise, I think, is what it is. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that is like it's hard for me to take in. And so I I, I luckily, I think, I had enough clarity on that. And so I started telling myself, like, we got to change this and actually start to um, say you're welcome and it was really uncomfortable at first but at this point i can tell people you're welcome or you're very welcome i can mix it up Ooh, at this point i'm doing pretty good that's pretty good. that's advanced skills right there um, i could say de nada mm-hmm, huh? mm-hmm. that's spanish for you're welcome that's absolutely Mercedes. yes obviously like you know dms aren't therapy i'm not doing therapy but someone reaches out and says thank you and when I don't give them a you're welcome, it's it really is like this rejection, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe on some level, you know. Yeah, this is something that for me too is is difficult, is is to accept the thanks. I don't know if this is fair, but I, I attribute some of that to to being trained as a therapist, you know, when when we're yeah. taught about um you know, the work that a client does, if you accept their what is it? You're if right. you if you accept their like positive progress, then you also have to accept their mistakes and their, you know, setbacks. Yeah. And so you can't accept either. Like it's not on you. You you kind of help them get there, but they're the ones that got there. I think that's some of it, but I think you touched on it too when you talked to when you said it's it's kind of like accepting praise. 
Because the thank you, you know, gratitude sometimes feels like, oh my goodness, you are so amazing for listening. Thank you so much. It does feel like praise. And it does feel like almost like... Why does that feel so uncomfortable though? Like, why is that? I don't don't know. know. And I'm thinking about it when you you said earlier praise and... I was I was kind of asking myself like is that it, and I'm thinking about like at work, um, yeah I have a hard time. A part of me likes it, but it's hard to yeah. acknowledge that. It's 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 like if I'm agreeing with you, then I think highly of myself. Right, like thank you so much, Justin, for being so awesome. And you're like, yeah, duh, of course. It it um right. <laughs> you're welcome. Of course, I'm awesome. You're very welcome. De nada. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like um. Like I'm agreeing with you and that feels full of myself. Mm-hmm. Self-serving in a way. So it's hard to like agree with someone who's praising and be like, yeah, I agree. And th-, you know, no, but that's, that's the praise is different than thanks. It is. Right? It is different, but it, it has a familiar flavor to it, like a similar flavor to it. Praise can be a challenge or even I guess thanks. Thanks is hard. It can be a challenge to accept. And it's like not wanting or knowing how to accept that positive attention or that gratitude or to think that you're worthy of it maybe that could that could be hard to do so but but refusing thanks kind of tells you the person that you're not with them like that is a rupture there i think right yeah and and then i think going back to polyvagal terms it kind of brings it back to like thank you mercedes no 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 you know i didn't really do anything that takes it back to you being in your own state and this is, like I said before, it's kind of like the final hurdle in the race of of this conversation of listening with to your to the other person and saying you're welcome because to them the gratitude is necessary to express and that's part of the process for them. It's it is. I had the image in my head of like um, you said in your own state of like a, a building a cocoon around yourself, and but only when the words thank you come your way and then you like or throw up a shield or something like that. Because you're protecting yourself or you're, you know, whatever that is. I, I think it is worth it to look into praise and gratitude. But whatever that is, we're, we've, again, gone into the place of, of focusing on me and not on you. Hi, Justin. My name is Harry Poliak. I'm speaking here from Vancouver, Canada. I'm taking you up on the offer to connect uh, so you can hear one of your listeners' voices. And I want to appreciate you for doing this podcast. I find the work of polyvagal theory super exciting and interesting and very useful. I'm not a therapist. I work as a life coach and I integrate this kind of work as much as I can into what I do. What excited me about this call was Uh, the fact of the states and claiming and naming the states one are in. So thanks a lot. Appreciate you. And I look forward to hearing more. Bye. Harry, thank you so much for being a super fan and taking the time to record your your voice and sending it in to us. Uh, We truly, truly appreciate it. And for everyone else listening, if you'd like to do so, the easiest thing to do would probably be to send me a direct message through Instagram. It used to be going through Anchor and leaving a message through Anchor, but as of this episode, we are now not using Anchor anymore. We're now using Libsyn. This is entirely due to the members of JustinLMFT.com who are paying five bucks a month to subscribe to uh, more polyvagal podcast content. 
Thank you to everyone who's subscribing on justinlmft.com. And Harry, again, thank you. If you want to get in touch with Harry, there's some links in the description down below. Announcements. We, Mercedes and I, first off, we are very grateful. Thank you for being a listener and a super fan, for listening this deep in the episode. We appreciate yes. that. Thank you, we do. listener. Thank you, listener. Second Dear one listener. is The second one is I uh, uploaded my presentation to Parents by Choice. This is a foster agency here in Stockton, California. And the I did the presentation. I recorded it. It's about an hour long. And it is uploaded on YouTube. Also on my blog. I'll put a, a link in the description below. You can watch me present that. Featuring Justin Sanceri. So your homework assignment, we're going to give you the option. There's two options. The first option is you try, try and notice when you are not listening. See if you might be guilty of any one of these techniques that we discussed today in the episode. The second option for your homework assignment is to accept gratitude. When someone says thank you, say you're welcome or de nada. So again, thank you so much for listening. We hope you've learned some new ways to connect with others or maybe even with yourself. Maybe even with yourself. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. The fourth way that a person knows you are not listening is that you finish... No, I don't want to. Your sentence is for you. (laughs) (laughs) What a bet.